0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Okay. And you what? Okay. Oh, my babies. Am I being too loud? No. Okay. What? What? What can I help you with? Okay, go to bed. I love you. Bye. Bye. Do you like my smoky shirt? Good night, Trash. Love you. She has a raccoon named Trash.
2: (laughs) I love it.
1: Guys, welcome to Taboos, the podcast where we talk about taboo culture with foul mouths and drinks in hand. I'm your host, Celeste. Today is going to be my very first solo episode without our alley girl, but with a guest. So I'm so excited for you guys to know who's going to be joining me today. She is one of the sweetest, most incredible people that I have ever met and had the pleasure to call my friend. I am so, so, so excited for you guys to see who is going to join me today on this episode and the incredibly controversial topic that we are going to be getting into before we go call our guest i am just going to front load our socials so you guys know where to find us just in case i forget it at the end i'm definitely going to get caught up in this one i just feel it so just to be sure if you'd like to reach out to us you can certainly find us at taboos the pod on instagram and twitter We are just Taboos on Facebook. You can send us an email at taboosthepod at gmail.com. And you certainly can check out our website at taboosthepod.com. So with that out there, I'm going to go call our guest and we are going to get this show on the motherfucking road.
2: dearest darling. Hi. I'm so excited (laughs) that you're here. Me too. I have been dying to be on the show. I'm a huge fangirl. Oh my god. I love when you say that especially because I am such a huge fangirl of you and your show so
1: that just makes me so happy. No.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I know. I've been I've been freaking out all day long. I've been so ready. I'm just so I'm so thankful for you and Allie and Tiny to have me on the show. Girl, we are so so
1: absolutely honored to have you, ladies and gentlemen. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce the one and only Paige from Reverend True Crime. <laughs> Hi, it's so glad to be
2: here. I love it. Oh my goodness. How was your day today? Tell me all about it. Um, Actually, I've just been kind of sitting around watching the clock and trying to make sure like if I can do little things here and there, because this is what I've been waiting on all day long. Like literally, I'm like, okay, I'm ready (laughs) for eight o'clock. So around seven, I was like, I'm just going to start playing with makeup because I just need this time to go by. (laughs) I was so ready. And then I fixed my drink. Ooh, what did you make? I'm so excited. Okay, so this is like such I don't know. I'm a cheap drunk, so it doesn't take much for me. <laughs> so this is a this is a Frozen Dailies uh, Hurricane, and it's and it's like a slushy. Ooh, yum! And so I automatically just want to like. Eat it with a spoon. It's so good. (laughs) But I'm like, okay, I can't do that. I can't get blackout drunk on my favorite podcast. (laughs) Girl, you totally can. If there was going to be a podcast, it'd probably be this one. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, so now tell me about your day.
1: Okay. My day was also really good. Um, I did do a lot of putzing, and I hammered out the last big chunk of the research that we're going to talk about today that I'm, like, obnoxiously proud of. Oh, my gosh. Paige, like, I need you to understand, I am proud of this episode before we even started recording this episode, because... Woo!
2: Yeah. Yeah, when you brought this subject up, I was like, totally, I'm on board 100%. I'm so ready for this. Yes! Okay, so, oh, also, I'm drinking. I am also drinking, dear listeners. I'm just so
1: excited because Paige has been such a long awaited guest on the show. And it actually, you being on the show was one of our 2021 goals. Fun fact No way. Stop it. Fun fact. <laughs> stop no way dead serious so this is like a fangirl moment for me too for real so I almost forgot that I'm also drinking what you got I am drinking an Alaskan brewery beverage titled a strawberry haze IPA um that looks so good yeah I thought so it really reminded me of like a bottle rocket pop beer
2: it does it does
1: yeah And that's really sort of what it tastes like, too. Just like a very tart, super sugary, sweet strawberry. I don't know.
2: Now I have to go find one. (laughs) I want to try that now. (laughs) I can
1: always send one to you if you can't.
2: Yeah, we can send drinks back and forth.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Dear listeners, also, if y'all ever want to get in on some drawings, that's one that we do often, is sending little care packages of our favorite beverages. So if that's something you'd be interested in us running sometime soon, don't hesitate
2: to reach out. Heck yeah, y'all better get on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Miss Page, I have not told anybody what today's topic is going to be. I didn't even allude to it. Are you ready to get into today's topic? I am. I am. Excellent. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be discussing conservatorships. I'm not sure if y'all have ever, I don't know, turned on the TV or scrolled Facebook or seen a meme that is related to some controversy around conservatorships, but there's really a fuck ton of information that we as the public don't really understand about them. So today we're really going to get into that. Taboo style, because there's a lot of shit here that we really should be talking about. And I'm so honored for you to be here to do that with me.
2: Aw, thank you. And there's a lot that you will probably be able to teach me because what I know just from the Free Britney movement, it really is what brought it to my attention about conservatorships. So what I know is like the abuse end of it and what it kind of should be, but I don't know like everything about a conservatorship. So I'm excited for you to kind of lay it out or like tell me what it should be and who it should be for and those kind of things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to be really transparent with both you and our listeners. I wasn't really sure of this concept to the extent that I am now that I've done the research. And I also was inspired to not only do this episode, but to start questioning this entire concept of conservatorships because of the Free Britney movement. I am one of those people who just has to follow the curiosity of how does this work before I can really make an opinion on where I stand on any topic, right? That's a very normal thing for a lot of people. Right. And like you said, the Free Britney movement is really what made those gears turn for me as it relates to this concept and I think honestly taboo topic so I'm so ready to get into it with you
2: me too okay okay girl you go
1: you go I'm ready okay so today's episode starts with a disclaimer as always right we have to make sure that we're protected (laughs) yes so today's disclaimer reads hello hi there Yep, I'm still just making sure that everybody knows that I am not a lawyer, I am not a mental health expert, or certified in any way as it relates to trauma response, and as such, I want to be very clear, the following is based on research, personal experience, and in all honesty, common fucking sense. (laughs) The following content will include conversations of abuse that may be triggering for some listeners. And I really mean that we will be talking about abuse in ways that you may never have even realized is real. Abusers know no bounds who hold no consistent shape, age, color, or financial standing, no differently than they know no bounds as it relates to their victim pool. And today, we're getting into that from a whole different perspective. We mean no harm to anyone, including any person specifically named in this content. As always, your inner peace is what is most important to us and our guests. So please, if this episode gets to be too much for you on your soul, we want you to know that we will not be upset if you turn it off. But for those of you who have decided to grit through it with us, brace for impact. Love and light to you all. I love that. Thank you. So shall we start with the definition of the word conservateur? Oh, please. Yes. Excellent. So I found this definition on miriamwebster.com and the definition of just conservator is as follows, quote, one that preserves from injury or violation. This is a very old word in English history and in more casual English, it is synonymous with protector, which I thought was very interesting. From a different lens, it's defined as a person, official, or institution designated to take over and protect the interests of an incompetent, with the sub-definition saying a, inner quote, official, charged with the protection of affecting public welfare and interests. So I really felt like those definitions, although... Our words and make sense are pretty vague. Yeah. Especially as we talk about what this concept means for people in practice, right? So I want to just take a step and talk about the legal definition of the word conservatorship,
2: which is the concept put into practice. So this is pretty much the role of the conservator is to abide by what the conservatorship definition is? Yes, ma'am. That's exactly correct. Okay.
1: The conservator is the person executing the job. Yeah. Okay. So by legal definition, the word conservatorship, because if we've learned anything on this show, it's that the legal definition of most things isn't necessarily worded, we'll say, effectively. Mm -hmm. L-O-L. (laughs) aka it's usually totally fucked and none of us know that yep so true welcome to law school 101 (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's like the first class yeah yeah it's gotta be (laughs) (laughs) so the legal definition according to investopedia.com is conservatorship is a legal status to which a court appoints a person to manage an incapacitated or incompetent individual's or minor's financial affairs. Great. All right. But now because my brain has to process this information and I want to make sure that everybody's brain is processing it the same way, I'd like to share my definition. Which is this, a person officially appointed by the court who has ultimate decision-making power as it relates to the individual who is in need of protection, whether that is due to a medical incapacitation, a mental incapacitation, or is a minor and is
2: rendered financially vulnerable." Yeah, and that sounds like, you know, all fine and good, but for people who need it.
1: Yes ma'am, that's exactly correct, and I really appreciate that you said, for people who need it. Although I personally don't have any experience with a conservatorship, I come from a family who has experienced this from both sides of this coin. I was raised in a house that was also a financial institution honest to God. But it was built from nothing. And I also have family on the other half of my chromosomic makeup who had money basically coming out of their fucking assholes. And it was not only handed to them, but it was abused. Like, I can't even explain.
2: That explains my parents and their families like my dad's family is completely different from my mom's family Yep. my mom's family came from a much uh, more I don't want to say well I mean it is poverty stricken and my dad's mom really didn't want him to be with her because it, it wasn't a good look for their family because they were the you know they had money and all of that so I totally get that
1: and I think it's really important that we talk about exactly what you just shared from your family perspective as well as the little tidbit I'm going to share from my family perspective because you guys we really need to keep in mind that more often than not conservatorships are family matters. Mhm. We're going to come back to that, but I really appreciate that we can talk about up front the complexity of even our family matters very high level to really indicate that we have a grasp on the difference between middle income to poverty to not because I think that's important for the rest of this conversation as well.
2: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So fun fact,
1: my great grandfather, who was a really good fucking man, immigrated to America from Sicily and bro made hella money working as a property manager for the mafia in Chicago in the 20s. Like it was really cool. Damn.
2: (laughs) It's like my little proud family moment. Oh my god, I fucking love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fucking love that
1: a lot. He's where I get all my sass from, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> On paper, my great-grandpa was a slum lord, but to me, he was honestly our patriarch, at least in my four-year-old mind. And I mean that in the best of ways. He was the person that we all looked to to lead our family. That's what he meant to me. So small, humble brag. At the time, it was just my cousin and I. And she was blonde hair, blue eyed, and like the little Gerber baby that everybody fucking obsessed over because she was stunning. And I have brown hair and brown eyes. And my great grandpa used to say he would tell everybody that I was his
2: favorite because I looked like home. Oh my god, stop it. That is the- that's the sweetest thing you could ever hear. From somebody especially that you just adore so much. I know! Okay, so my grandfather on my dad's side, so my great-grandfather, reminds me a lot of your grandfather. When he was passing away of cancer, he was at home, and it just reminded me when you said- that I was like fifteen, and i would I was trying to feed him popsicles because his throat was closing in, and he wasn't speaking a lot at all at this point, and the first thing that he actually said was he looked at me and he was like, "I wish I could take you with me because you're my angel, and I'm just like, "Oh my God, like you know when it comes from your favorite favorite person in the world, it just It just means totally everything.
1: Especially as somebody who's been in your life your whole life. That hits so different.
2: It does. All the happy feels.
1: I know it. Oh my God. So regardless of the man that he was to everyone else, right? He was a big deal to me. And he loved my little black sheep self from the very drop. His daughter, however, my grandmother. Yep. She's a total fucking cunt. Mm Mm-hmm. Evil, vile, monstrous, fucking woman. Narcissist. Loathe. Uh Uh-huh. Okay? Yep. Felt entitled to our literal family fortune that my great-grandfather had left for all of us. For me, his little piece of home. So, if at some point in this research, I sound a little jaded, Mm -hmm. now you know. Totally get it. Because that literal fortune is pretty much fucking gone. A $200,000 split, however many ways, does not a payday make. No,
2: it doesn't. I'm
1: not sure of the exact structure of this woman's financial history and the trust that was left for us, but I do know that it hasn't been handled legally, ethically, professionally, or morally. And it has caused a fuck ton of drama in that side of my family. Much like you had been saying, Paige, Romeo and Juliet. If Romeo was an abusive junkie and Juliet was a brilliant girl just trying to survive small town Wisconsin by herself. And hello, here I am now.
2: The product of that wonderful tale. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we're living the same lives or something because I'm just sitting over here like, yep, totally get it. <laughs> same.
1: I actually, I love that you already shared because I specifically on here was like, do you have any
2: insane family drama to share so that we can family bond right now? (laughs) Uh, Honey, the addiction and the mental illness that runs on my mom's side of the family is crazy. And, you know, it's, it's wild because some people that probably need to be under conservatorships, like... I don't know, maybe some people just don't know about it, but seems like some people that are under conservatorships shouldn't be and are taken advantage of, while some really need to be cared for in that way. I agree completely
1: and I really think that's a fantastic and organic segue for us to get into the how so that we can all see how this equation works in our heads as the literal black and white because my lawyer brain needs that in order to fully understand this and for us to get through this together. So the following information also came from investopedia.com. Quote, a conservatorship is a legal status which a court appoints a person to manage the things end quote. I kind of cut this up a little bit because it got really mouthy and wordy. So fast forward to a different quote in the article. Such a person may also serve as a guardian who is responsible for establishing and monitoring the physical care of the individual and managing their living arrangements. In some states, such as California, both roles are called conservatorship, with the guardian role termed, quote, conservator of the person, and the financial role called, quote, conservator of the estate, end quote. So these two terms are generally not interchangeable, but the same person may serve both roles, which is like really confusing to me because that seems a little hypocritical. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna just come back a little bit. It sounds mostly like the terminology varies to some extent in different jurisdictions, which, again, is just really super fucking weird to me.
2: Yeah, it is. it is. Shouldn't it be the same across the board? You know, I just, I don't know. I don't get that part of it. I agree. So let's look at the side by side to really compare
1: how these terms are non-interchangeable. We'll start with the guardian. Again, guardianship oversees the physical and medical care of an individual with limited capacity. A conservatorship manages the financial affairs of an incapacitated or incompetent individual, minor, or older adult with limited capacity. There is also a difference between individual versus
2: organizational conservatorship. Did you know that? No, I didn't even know that was a thing at all. We're going to get into it. Ooh.
1: <laughs> I went like mad genius on this research and I was I was like frivolously writing like, bitch, get all of it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I found this fucking fascinating. Yes, uh... Let's talk about the individual first and introduce that idea because I have a very brief thing that we're going to talk about for the organization, but the rest of the episode is pretty much individual. So high level for an individual, quote, a court order will establish a conservatorship for an individual who is a minor or a physically or mentally disabled person. Mentally disabled includes those who are suicidal, psychotic, demented, or disabled to the extent that that person is unable to make legal, financial, and medical decisions on their own behalf. Elderly individuals, specifically those with Alzheimer's or dementia, are also included among individuals who may fall under a conservatorship. For conservatorships of individuals, mental health capacity must be determined by a psychiatrist, psychologist, or physician with extensive experience and training to diagnose conditions like dementia. Every diagnosis or determination must be documented and verified before a conservatorship over an individual can be ordered, end quote. That seems pretty thorough, right? And logical. Yeah, right. On the flip side, for organizations, quote, In this form, A statutory or regulatory authority creates the conservatorship in reference to government control of private organizations or corporations, such as in the case of Frannie Mae, also recognized by the acronym FNMA, and Freddie Mac. Conservatorship entails authority is temporary. The Federal Housing Finance Agency, or FHFA, acts as the conservator for these two agencies, End quote. Are you familiar with Freddie Mac and
2: Fannie Mae? Yeah, yeah. And I
1: never knew that.
2: Never heard that before.
1: Excellent. Well, I'm glad that you've at least heard of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac because I have heard those terms but never really knew what they meant. Yeah. So for our listeners sake, I did do a little bit of research and I wanted to just include that for the perspective so that we can all collectively grasp like what this is actually telling us because it's really fucking important for each of us. Yeah, truly. (laughs) So Freddie Mac stands for Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation, which is a stockholder-owned, government-sponsored enterprise charted by Congress in the 1970s in support of home ownership for middle-income Americans. That sounds like pretty much everyone I know. Yeah, (laughs) right. Fannie Mae stands for the Federal National Mortgage Association, A government sponsored enterprise and since 1968 a publicly traded company. Quote, the role of Freddie Mac is to buy a large number of loans for mortgage lenders and then combine them and sell them as mortgage backed securities. End quote. Another quote that I found really interesting about this dynamic duo was, quote, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are both publicly traded, government-sponsored enterprises. The main difference between them is that Fannie Mae buys mortgage loans from major retail or commercial banks, while Freddie Mac obtains its loans from smaller banks, end quote. I'm not a homeowner and none of this was really sticking to my mental thought process so I just did a little bit more digging as someone who this is so irrelevant to as well as young enough to not really have recognized how important these pieces in our society were to things that have directly affected me in my life. Yeah
2: that's true. It's like all these things that we need to know, but the things they never teach us. Exactly like that. Correct. Yes, my exact thinking. So I thought
1: the following quote spoke directly to that, which says, quote, some, a.k.a., Millions of Americans, just like you and I, have argued that the unchecked growth for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac was a primary driver in what led to the credit crisis of 2008 that turned into the Great Recession, end quote. For anyone who didn't feel the darkness that was the Great Recession because you weren't old enough to be affected or to understand, or honestly, maybe you weren't even alive, let's high-level that shit real quick, okay? Okay. So basically, the Great Recession was the sharp decline in economic activity during the late 2000s. The economic slump began when the housing market ate shit overnight and millions of people felt that hurt on impact. Large amounts of mortgage-backed securities and derivatives lost significant value. So for example, for easy numbers, your $300,000 mortgage that you're trying to sell is now basically worth $30,000 on the market. Cool, right? Yeah, that, that's insane. Yeah, insane. It's said that the financial crisis was primarily caused by, quote, degradation in the financial industry, end quote. This basically permitted banks to engage in hedge fund trading, which is shit that rich white people do to make money fast. with derivatives (laughs) so some suits gambled with our money because hello that's how our economy works yeah that's that's what they do that's what they do best girlfriend yes it is Mm -hmm. and then banks demanded more mortgages to support the profitable sale of these derivatives they did this by creating interest only Loans. Affordable to, get this, here's the real kick in the fucking face, quote, subprime borrowers, a.k.a. people with average, bad, or non-existent credit, which, in real words, means no real assets or money.
2: Right. How fucked up is that, though, you know?
1: The most fucked up.
2: (sighs) I just... And they try, okay, and I hate to say this, I know people will give me a ton of shit for this, but this is a part, just a small part of why when people say, oh, this is the best country in the world, explain to me how. Yep. Is it though? Is it though? Yeah. Is it really though? (laughs)
1: we we actually recently posted a quote on our facebook that went crazy and all of our amazing followers on facebook loved it the quote says people who think the government cares about them probably think strippers love them too and i shared it saying no shade on strippers but yeah stupid as fuck (laughs) God, that is so true. Real. And we don't even know it. And this is just the tip of that fucked little iceberg. Oh, yeah. So let's keep going. So now all these subprime lenders have a fuck ton of money. And do you know what they want to buy? Houses, right? Because these are people were never going to have houses before. And they bought a lot of house because they were told that they could The supply of houses outran demand, which is why people couldn't sell their homes. They'd never get their net worth back. Borrowers defaulted on their mortgages and the derivatives and all of the other investments that tied to them lost value. A.K.A. people lost everything that they thought they had. While in reality, the banks set these people up to believe that they even had shit to lose so glad someone is babysitting that whole system now.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I sense that sarcasm there.
1: Mm hmm. That was very sarcastic. Mm hmm. Yes. <laughs> Back to the strippers who don't really love you. Cinnamon is doing a good fucking job and that's it.
2: Candy is doing great and she is doing her fucking job and she is working it and she's getting that money and that's all she cares about. <laughs> She's not looking to take you home or for you to take her home or to wife her up. She just wants that money, baby. That's right. And some of my guy
1: friends responded on that status and were like, but you didn't see the way she looked at me. Boy, (laughs) that just means that she deserves those fucking tips. So you make sure she gets them. Yes, sir. Thank you.
2: Yes. Oh, my God. I love it that's what I had about the
1: organizational piece, which I really love that we could explore because, yeah, I think that's fucking important. The government fucked us over. If they've done it once, I'm confident that they've done it eight million times before and that they'll continue to probably likely do it. So maybe we should be aware of that. Yeah, for sure. But let's get back to the individual perspective because I think that that is really what brought us here today. So I think we've already really agreed that this is a great thing conceptually, right? Are we on the same page there? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, cool. And I want to just be really upfront. I take this position because people who are physically or mentally incapacitated equally to minors have the same human rights as well as constitutional rights to live their life The same way that we do. Conservators and guardians alike are, in theory, supposed to be the protectors, right? But what happens when they aren't? Right. This does happen in our country. I'm confident all over the place, but specifically in America, this is how we address it. And I know this because I did some research and I found the following information on Forbes.com in an article that was from 2015, page. Oh, wow. So this has been out there for a fucking minute. And the title is this. Beware the con game of conservatorships.
2: Wow. Dun, dun, dun.
1: The dun, dun, dun was not in the title. (laughs) I said that.
2: But that's wild that it was out there in 2015. And I think, you know, a lot of us really didn't. I don't know. I'm just speaking for myself. I didn't know about a conservatorship until maybe 2018 or 2019. And they're talking about it back then. We should have. We should have known this. You'd think. You'd think. So as of 2015, here's what Forbes had
1: put out there. And I mean, I have feelings about Forbes, but also this is a pretty legit source of information. I just want to make everybody aware of that. Right. Quote: Roughly 1.5 million adults are under guardianship, according to a. 2013 AARP estimate, end quote. We must pause and acknowledge that 2015 was six years ago. The baby boomer generation six years ago was not the same as it is today. Baby boomers are any person between the years of 1946 and 1964, making them currently 57 to 75 years old today. This currently accounts for 71.6 million American citizens. That's a fuck ton of people. Uh Uh-huh. Considering that the baby boomer generation lasted for over 20 years and the longest generation span that our country's ever seen, the population base is obviously broader than the following generational structures. Basically, just telling you, if they were old enough to be a part of this data six fucking years ago, they're even fucking older now. Okay? Which means this number is likely even higher now. Because that's how time and age work together. It's called magic. Right. <laughs> so I appreciate everyone could go on that journey with me because I needed everyone to be on the same page as me.
2: <laughs> I love it. I, I'm i here for it. Excellent. I'm so
1: glad. Now we can hit play. Would you like to make a play noise? Oh, wait, what? Wait, say that again. Just make a noise. Just make a noise. Just just like make a noise that you would think of when you hit play. Beep. <laughs>
2: Yeah. We don't have a soundboard, so we just make <laughs> sounds. <laughs> or it depends on what we're clicking play on. Okay. Um. So say we're clicking play on uh, an old cassette, you'd be like, <laughs> Ooh. Okay. So we might go
1: with both. I'm probably gonna keep both versions of play. I'm here for it. I'm That's so fun. excited. I love that we did a soundboard moment. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Quote, of course, many court appointed conservators are wholly reputable. Some such as the one that Mickey Rooney had are even brought into quash alleged elder abuse. I don't know shit about this case and I honestly did
2: not look into it. Do you know anything about Mickey Rooney and his alleged case? No, I didn't know. I know who he is, and I've never heard of him. Is he under conservatorship? Is that what you're saying? I believe so, yeah. What? Yeah, but according
1: to this article, that case isn't fucked. I don't know. Again, I didn't look into it. (laughs) Okay. Maybe it's fucked. Who knows? All right. (laughs) The article continued to say, quote, but in other cases, conservators or guardians steal from, neglect, or physically abuse the people they are supposed to protect. A 2001 Government Accountability Office guardianship review of 20 cases, meaning 20 facilities only, found that guardians stole or otherwise obtained. Are you ready? You're sitting. Are you ready for real? I don't know if I'm ready. I might pass out. Mm-hmm. Maybe. million in assets from 158 incapacitated victims, many of whom were seniors, end quote. What the fuck? $5 million from 158 people.
2: People are so fucking dirty. They're just dirty.
1: Mm Mm-hmm filthy, vile. I don't understand
2: that. I don't understand that at all. And it, and it's so sad because, you know, usually it's older people that are under these conservatorships because they have amnesia or dementia or something, you know, serious to where they cannot make their own decisions. You know, they're really, really incapacitated. Right. And they don't know that Their son, Joe Bob, is over here getting all their money and... It's fucking crazy. And then think about the people that, you know, know they're being abused in a conservatorship and they don't know what to do about it. They're like, okay, I know this is wrong, but what do I do? My lawyer's not even helping me because everybody's being paid. You know where I'm going with that, but... It's just insane.
1: Exactly. It is. And I really appreciate that you brought that perspective up about both sides of that coin of either I don't realize that this is happening because I am that level of incapacitated or I do realize this is happening and no one believes me because they think I'm incapacitated. Shout out to the disturbingly good as well as entirely accurate depiction of this exact case study in a movie that was produced by Netflix. The movie called I Care A Lot. Okay, I've heard of this. Starring Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, and Diana West. Weist? Weist? How do I say her name? Oh, no, I don't know. I don't either. (laughs) I know her, and she's... I don't know her personally,
2: but... Oh, yeah, sure you do.
1: (laughs) Diana, shout out, my girl. Love her. She's my bae. (laughs) She comes to all of my social gatherings, obviously. Don't know how to pronounce her last name because we're on a first name basis. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But this movie is a horrifying rendition based on true elder abuse stories. So if you want a psychological and emotional thriller that will allow you to see a twisted side of humanity that no one addresses that's the one. Five stars. Enjoy it. Like, go.
2: I care a lot. I've heard of it, and now I must watch it. I think I meant to watch it a while back, and then I just completely forgot about it, but I I really need to watch it.
1: Especially because you are so passionate about this topic, it brings it to a totally different perspective. Actually, that movie was my first real insight to conservatorships from a visual perspective. Ooh, yeah. Otherwise, everything in my life to that point had been just verbal that I, like I said before, in my orbit, things that I had heard. But that movie really opened my eyes as to how it works and also the very real, very easy potential for fraud. And that movie hit it out of the park. Wow.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: So the following pieces of the article are presented based on an interview that this journalist did with T.S. Laham, who is a business professor and author in the San Francisco area, based on their book titled The Con Game, A Failure of Trust, where Laham writes, quote, America's guardianship system is an open invitation to potential abuse, end quote. Okay, I'm sorry. If it's an open invitation for potential, doesn't that mean that it's fucking broken? Uh, Yeah. What the fuck? No question. Yeah. Point blank. (laughs) Like that that statement doesn't need to go anywhere else because if there's a potential for abuse, it's broken. Yeah. What the
2: fuck? Oh my God. I'm so glad that we were on the same page there. I really am. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just speechless about things like that. It's like, we know it's broken, but we're not going to do anything about it, really. Just know that there's a potential for abuse, but, you know, we we might fix it one day. Maybe. If we feel like getting to it. Who knows?
1: Ugh. Yeah. There's some other shit we should probably get to first, you know, like our paychecks and uh-huh. our vacations and mm-hmm. all those other much more important things. We gotta go play golf Yes, and things like that. Yes. <laughs> Make sure those Trumpsters are happy in 2024. (laughs) Salut. So we're going to make this interview a little game because I'm excited about it. My lawyer pants and hyena mode are really seriously just under the surface. So I'm really trying to experience this moment and this climax together. So we're going to ask the interviewer questions and then we're going to read the answers. And then we're going to rate each question on a level of concern.
2: OK, oh, OK, OK, gotcha.
1: We're not going to rate what the author said themselves, but the context of the answer, because I'm not holding this college professor accountable for this system. He just shared the information. But the context of the information, that's what we're going to talk about. Let's get it. So our rating categories are not fucked, kind of fucked and totally fucked. And if you feel like getting creative, you absolutely are welcome to. It. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I love it. So the first question is, how does it work in theory? The professor responds, a judge appoints a, inner quote, reasonable person or organization to make medical and financial decisions for an adult who would be considered a conservatee or ward. Miss Page, what is your rating on that response? I... I feel like it sounds pretty not fucked. I feel like that sounds pretty normal.
2: Yeah, it's not fucked for the per. Okay, let's just say the person in question really needs it. I would say that's not fucked at all. Agreed completely. Followed by the quote, the conservatorship
1: ends when the conservatee dies. I'm going to share my rating on this one first, which was, kind of fucked Uh because in this instance we're talking about elderly people but that's not the truth for all conservatorships
2: so how does that work right yeah yeah when it comes to you know you mentioned minors so what happens when their conservator does or when they're no longer a minor yeah that was where I kind of
1: came in with the kind of fucked answer contextually yeah I agree and we're gonna stay tuned because there's more coming on that the next question was what are the problems with conservatorships the professor responded conservatorships are not a bad thing not necessarily It's the execution of them that could be improved at times. But people need to understand that conservatorships should be considered as the most restrictive form of court intervention as they can strip people of their individual rights effectively. Miss Page, what's your rating there? (sighs) You probably already know.
2: (laughs) Given the way I death glared at you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Yeah, that's, uh, it's fucked. It's totally fucked.
1: Totally fucked. Agreed.
2: (laughs) Totally fucking fucked.
1: Absolutely. Followed by the quote, conservatorships can cause more complications. The family may need to sit on the sidelines because the conservator removes the decision-making control from them. End quote. So again, I'm going to rate this first Given the previous statement about stripping people's individual rights, my rating on this statement is also totally fucked.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're taking everything away from them. It's not right. Agreed. The next
1: question was, what concerns you about them, meaning conservatorships? And the response was, conservatorships are costly. There are filing fees, maybe attorney fees, and ongoing legal costs. End quote. Do you have a feeling about that one? Any rating on just that contextual concept?
2: I mean, I guess you would expect that there are going to be, you know, lawyer fees and things like that, but not over the top, you know, just if needed, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I was kind of in in line with that. I said kind of fucked, mostly just because I need everyone to know that the judicial system and the associated fees are in fact fucked. And I will plug that information every chance I get. So for that reason, I think it's kind of fucked. Yeah. Conservator fees, meaning this person is paid to complete the service of protecting, range from fifty dollars an hour up to a hundred and thirty-five dollars an hour or more.
2: End quote. What's what's your rating? Okay, if you're really there just to protect the person, <sighs> And if you love that person, why would you even care about getting paid if you're the if you're a family member of this person and who's paying them? Are they taking it from the conservatives account?
1: They sure fucking are
2: see that's that's fucked up if if it's your family and you love them you the money wouldn't even matter to you at least that's that would be my uh stance on it. If I were ever put in that position, like why would I want to be paid for taking care of somebody I love and protecting them? I agree with you completely. I absolutely do. I do want to have this small side step
1: thought just to give credit to people who are conservators, who family or not do get paid, who are truly taking care of their conservatee. I'm not knocking them for taking a pay I'm really not. It's a very hard job. It's a very demanding job. Yeah, well, true. I totally, absolutely hear you. And again, I think your opinion and perspective on that is absolutely valid because I'm in the same position. I just wanted to offer for people who are out there who may be listening. If y'all are taking pay for taking care of your family and you're truly doing a good job, keep your pay and be
2: happy and thank you for taking care of somebody. Yeah, and it's like especially... If it's the only job that they have, because it might be a total full-time job for them. It absolutely might be. Yeah, I totally understand getting paid, you know, for that. So you can live too. I completely agree with you.
1: The professor followed it with the quote, trustee and other professional asset manager fees for high value estates typically run from one to 1.5% of the asset value annually end quote. So before we get into that, we need just a little bit more information. Let's just say for easy numbers that someone's asset value is $50 million, right? That's that's a pretty legitimate asset value. That's definitely many more millions of dollars than I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar paycheck annually that everyone else is scooping off of the top the bank the financial institution the court all of the people seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars annually what's your rating there miss
2: page that's too fucking much and i think that's really fucked up because nobody needs that much money yeah agreed my rating on that was the most fucked (laughs) yeah
1: because i pay the bank seven hundred and fifty thousand thousand dollars a year to hold my 50 million dollars why Mm-hmm. okay great and for anybody who doesn't know how banks work stay tuned <laughs>
2: i mean yeah that that is the most fucked the most fucked i'm so glad we could agree I'm, i just get speechless the more i learn about these things especially the conservatorships and stuff the more i'm just like what the fuck
1: yep the next question the reporter asked was, quote, Is the problem with conservators that family members or supposed friends are appointed by the court and then they steal? Or is it that the court's appointing other people who then turn out to be crooks the problem? And the reporter responded, all of the above. What's your position on that rating?
2: If all of the above is wrong... Fix the fucking problem. Uh, Most fucked. Mine also says, just kidding, this is
1: actually the most fucked.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, truly, truly. How can you sit there and say all of the above is something we need to be worried about and something we should be concerned about? And all of these years, nothing has been done about it. Why? Mm
1: Mm-hmm, yep. The professor went on to say, quote, I'm trying to show that there are some problems with the system that are fixable. Most of them have to do with an oversight and accountability. I assume that the system was well-regulated and controlled, but that's just really not true. End quote. And my rating on that is still fucked. A hundred percent. The next question was, Is part of the problem that the court-appointed guardians lack training for the job? The professor responded, That's correct. It's a huge responsibility to be a conservator or guardian. We're going to pause. We are going to pause. We are going to pause. This is real. And for people out there who are conservators and guardians, who provide love and comfort and security for those who need you, family or not, I am really, really grateful for you. And you deserve the handsome compensation that you earn without question. Amen. Those words needed to be said. Before we can hit play. Would you like to make another play noise? Beep. I love it. I love it. <laughs> the professor went on to say, quote, but the problem is that they may be overwhelmed or undertrained." Okay. Then why are you
2: hiring people that are, that don't even have the training? Yep. 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 This pisses me the fuck off. Mm-hmm.
1: Here comes the good. Ooh. Yep. Right here. This is it. The quote. One survey found that less than 20% of courts gave conservators and guardians instructions carrying out their legal responsibilities and duties, end quote. And there it fucking is boys and girls. Now mommy is so fucking mad. And here we go. The courts are literally signing people's lives away, their rights away, human fucking rights in some cases. And honestly, the only way that we have talked about to this fucking point on how you could possibly escape this court ordered prison is death. Let's acknowledge that. Well, your undertrained and potentially dangerous caretaker is not fit to take care of a flaming bag of dog shit, let alone you, a human fucking being, while everyone else gets a nice little Christmas bonus of $750,000 a year until either your money runs out or the infection that I have refused to give you medical treatment for for the past 5 weeks finally hits your brain and we're all done here now.
2: Mhm. 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 What do you feel like that rating looks like? It pisses me off like when I get quiet, that's when I'm fucking mad and fuming. It is so unreal to me and I don't even know why I'm shocked. You know, of And I hate to, you know, just keep hammering it in, but you know, before the free Britney thing, I didn't even know that what really a conservatorship was and how it worked and, you know, I always thought that maybe she needed it. And then the court documents kept coming out and coming out and coming out and then you see she does not have rights to her own autonomy her rights period and and it's and it's not just her either i want to make clear absolutely and we're still really
1: only in the camp of talking about this as it relates to the elderly so everything you said is so valid and i really appreciate the point of this does happen to so many people you know
2: i don't know what the laws are over you know in other countries but my god this is just not right exactly
1: exactly And now that we're to that level of fucked, let's talk about the other ways out of this hellhole because there are a few, literally. The following information came from conservatorships and adult guardianships from nolo.com. Quote, a conservator, meaning the appointed person, must act until the court issues an order ending this responsibility. This ordinarily happens when, one, the conservatee, dies, like we talked about in our elderly examples. Two, the conservatee no longer needs assistance. Hold any thoughts we have on number two, please. Three, in the case of a financial conservatorship, the conservatee's assets are exhausted completely, meaning they have no money left. Or number four, the conservator resigns And can no longer handle the responsibilities. In this situation, the conservatorship itself does not end. But someone else takes over for the conservators duties. End quote. Mm. I don't love any of these terms. Except for number two, in all honesty. So let's, let's go back to number two. Okay, okay. So number two, we can prove is a flawed clause. And that must be addressed. And to do that, we are going to talk about something pretty fucking toxic.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. In the
2: taste of a on him. Sing it. Sing it. Sing it. You're toxic. I'm taking on. Yeah. Love it. Mm. Give me, give me more, baby.
1: Yeah. Yep. And this is where we are getting into some fucking Britney, bitch. Before we get moving into this portion of the episode, I do have another disclaimer. Again, we are not medical health professionals or lawyers, but this shit does not take a fucking rocket scientist to understand. Thank you. Additionally, we will be referencing conversations, interviews, and information that may be subject to hearsay, which we all know in the court of public opinion doesn't actually mean shit, but... If one of these networks or anchors or anyone from the Spears family tries to sue us, here is me saying, we only know what is out there for the public to know. Cool? Cool. Here we fucking go. I did a little cat in the hat moment right there. I was really excited about it.
2: <laughs> I that that was really, uh, you jobbed with that one. You, you did it. Yeah. I did. I spit some bars right there. I was angry. I got it out. <laughs> you did. You did. You spit those
1: bars, girl. Oh. Yes. You better work, bitch. That's right. All right. So the first fucking thing that we must address is that like any family law court case, most of the information is open to the public. However, that is only through the court. Plaintiffs and defendants are not at liberty to discuss the case publicly, meaning For all of you out there who don't know a fucking thing about Britney, save your breath on the entire concept of she'd just come out and say something was wrong.
2: Yeah, not true.
1: Not true at all. She is literally not allowed to discuss her conservatorship, her case, or her life, honestly. Remember how the conservator can strip rights from a quote-unquote mentally incapacitated person? Mm Mm-hmm. Glad we're on the same page. Yep. Just to be clear for anybody who thought that Britney just wasn't talking the truth.
2: Yeah. Let's
1: just talk about Britney a little bit because there might be a lot of people who are listeners of this show who don't know anything about Britney. Whether they weren't seven-year-old girls in the 1990s or they haven't paid attention to Britney throughout the years, whatever the case may be, let's just do a little background on Miss Britney. Sounds good. And the following came from Britannica.com which is also unrelated to Britney, if you're not familiar with (laughs) Britannica.com. Britney Spears was born on December 2nd, 1981. Shout out to Sagittarius season. Yes. She was born in Macabre, Mississippi, and she grew up in Kentwood, Louisiana. She began singing and dancing at the age of two, two, two years old, dos, one, two. That's insane. And quote, was soon competing in talent shows, end quote. What Britannica does not tell you is that her mother Lynn Spears was a school teacher and her father Jamie, which means he likely still is because people like this don't really change, an abusive drunk who worked as a building contractor. They also don't tell us about the Spears family having just about nothing in terms of money because Jamie either drank it or he wouldn't let Lynn use it, which is
2: interesting, right? Allegedly, he still does. He's still an alcoholic. Bad. That is also what I've heard. But
1: I also just need to point out he was
2: controlling with her money, too. That's his M.O. Yeah. Control, abuse, alcoholism. It all kind of goes hand in hand a lot of the time. Exactly.
1: Yes. That's really the point that I wanted to make. So in order to survive, and as a single mother, I totally understand how do we survive, okay? Asking yourself that question, Lynn entered Britney into as many pageants and talent shows as she possibly could for the opportunity at reward money. Do I love that? No. Do I understand it? Sure.
2: Yeah. I get it, but, you know, did you really think about any other ways that were possible, you know?
1: Could you have gotten a job at the bank, Lynn?
2: <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yes, exactly.
1: Could you have worked maybe on the weekends part-time? I'm just yeah. asking. Bus yeah. some tables something exactly cook some meals yeah there there was probably options i'm just saying it was the 70s 80s it was the 80s i mean i'm sure mcdonald's is always hiring it couldn't have been that it couldn't have been that sparse yeah so fast forward quote at age eight britney auditioned for disney's television show titled the all-new mickey mouse clubhouse it's the mickey mouse clubhouse and she was deemed too young for the program End quote. I really couldn't help but sing the song. I'm sick like that.
2: I I couldn't even... (laughs) Yeah, I hear that with my little cousins all the time. (laughs) So it's really hard not to... It's the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Yeah. Dear Disney, please
1: don't sue us. Love you so much. (laughs) Yes. Quote, the impressed producers because... We need to address. She had the vocals of a powerful, soulful, incredibly beautiful black woman in this teeny tiny little white girl's fucking body. Seriously, her singing voice, her original singing voice is fucking awe-inspiring, you guys.
2: Yeah. And you know what's really creepy to me is when she's little, they treat her like an adult. She sounds like an adult. Now that she is an adult, they've trained her to kind of have that baby speak and the baby sing I don't understand that shit. Girl, we're going to, yes, literally like three sentences down. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm so, no, so sorry. No, don't I'm, be I'm, sorry. No, I'm jumping no, ahead. Don't be. because Damn. I,
1: Girl, all of your thoughts are exactly how my thoughts ended up on my paper. So, yes. Yes, girl. So fucked. And I didn't even think about it like you just said it. Because you're absolutely right. When she was little, everybody treated her like she was a fucking adult. And now that she's an adult, everybody treats her like she's fucking little. She's like Brittany Benjamin Button. Yes. But trapped. Fuck. Fuck. Spot on. Okay. Now we're all riled up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> So the producers, who loved her voice, told her that she was too young for the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse when she had originally tried out at eight. But they encouraged her to get an agent in New York City. So she began spending summers there, end quote. How did they pay for that, you might be asking? The same way that they paid for everything with Britney's fucking money. Okay, okay. During this period, she started making television commercials and in 1991 appeared in Ruthless, an off-Broadway play, quote, two years later, Britney finally became a cast member of the Mouseketeers that made up the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse that included future pop stars Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera, end quote. So let's go back to her voice, right? Her singing voice, that deep, powerful, rich voice that our girl had, Right. You made it very clear she doesn't sing like that anymore.
2: Exactly. And I remember when she was singing um I'll take you there, her voice, she had that like little deep growl in her in her throat. And I mean, she was just like a powerhouse.
1: Very Aretha Franklin sound. Yes. Very Aretha Franklin sound.
2: And the way they they taught her or made her, or whatever, when she started Baby One More Time and things like that, She, I don't think her voice was changed that much. But when she just kept going, her voice got smaller and smaller. It's like, why are y'all making her sound like a kid? She's a grown-ass woman, and it was so cool the other day when her boyfriend Sam posted the uh to instagram she was driving the car and she was singing she said it was her favorite song that she had made and had written and it was called lonely and she was singing it and anytime you hear her sing live or whatever she does not sing with that baby voice so it just it's like what are y'all doing yeah So
1: for anybody who's not familiar, her managers and her family, they, meaning every single person involved in this child abuse and neglect, forced Britney to sing in her ever famous little baby doll voice because she needed a competitive and unique sound compared to Christina. And that's where her baby voice came from.
2: Oh, so they didn't want her to sound too much like Christina, even though that's her natural way of singing. Yep. See, I didn't even know that. And I'm a humongous Britney fan. And I didn't know that.
1: That's fucking sick. Also, interestingly, in some of the information that I found, there is reports of there being significant damage to Britney's vocal cords. Oh, yeah. Because she has... Cracked and strained her vocal cords trying to sing in an octave and in a pitch that is not true to her true voice. You guys, that would be like me making all of my little fucking baby voices that I make all the time, but like constantly and at belting fucking levels. Like that would just, mm. yeah, can you imagine? No, I can't because I don't even do well when I have a sore fucking throat. Oh my God i'm like i have a booger in my throat i can't function today (laughs) right
2: right and then it's like every interview when she was younger her voice was her real talking voice and as she got older because she i guess has sang for so long in that babyish tone her speaking voice has changed I don't know if sometimes when she gets nervous, it's maybe like a comfort thing because sometimes she will speak in her regular voice. But I I don't know. I I just think they have just messed her mind up. And I don't think it's anything that she has done. I feel like it's, you know, people around her. I'd completely agree with that.
1: And according to a documentary that I recently watched that has since been removed from the internet, which isn't sketchy at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Not weird. The narrators shared that during the time that Britney was going between New York City and home, she was also working. She worked nearly 18 hours a day in most instances between commercials, choreography, vocal lessons, and whatever version of quote-unquote schoolwork she had to do, and the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, which has, in fact, had several claims made against it for other from other rising stars through the program. Please keep in mind, at this time, Brittany is 11. 18 hours a day at 11. Oh my fucking God, all right? I don't even think my kid is up 18 hours a fucking day. That's child abuse, period. Child abuse. The documentary also stated that at this time, Britney was still being managed by her mother, Lynn Spears, who stated in later years that she was simply doing the best she could for her daughter. And everyone
2: believed her. Yeah, simply doing the best you could for your daughter, making her work 18 hours a day at 11 years old, and she probably didn't even get six hours to sleep, you know. (sighs) Yep. Plus the constant travel.
1: Yeah. Probably experiencing all kinds of fucking altitude sicknesses and dehydration. Dehydration, Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. And, like, in general, you guys, jet lag, even though she's not switching time zones... She still has jet lag. Since we brought up Mama herself, let's take some time talking about Jamie and Lynn, which is not to be confused with Jamie Lynn, their other less abused daughter. Irony cannot be lost, people. I have to point that out. I did some sleuthing on Lynn first because she truly is where Britney's career started, right? She was the driving dog of that cash cow. So per Wikipedia, quote, Lynn married Jamie in 1976. They divorced in 2002. They were, quote, reconciled without remarrying around 2010, but they were still seen united in 2014. They eventually completely separated by 2020. The timing of it all is really weird. Agreed. And would you mind for our listeners... Telling me what year it is right now. Oh yeah, it's
2: it's twenty twenty one.
1: So does that feel like a like a really long time ago? Their divorce in twenty twenty? Does that feel like a long time ago to you?
2: I mean, like, I wanna know why in twenty twenty and not earlier than that. Great question, right? Because I think the Free Britney movement really started being pushed at the, I would say, mm, late 2019.
1: Actually, it was early 2019, April of 2019,
2: because I was curious about that, too. And, you know, for a long time, before I really even, you know, like I said, knew what this conservatorship was all about, I thought that she was a good mom. I thought they were close. And... When you really dig into this, it's like she's not, she's not any better than the rest of them at all. She's just as guilty. The timing on that whole thing is fucking sketchy entirely.
1: It's so interesting to me to think about it because Free Britney didn't come around until years after she had been sending messages for help, both subliminally and consciously. Lynn had to know
2: something was going on. There would have been whispers at least, right? Yeah, because, you know, us as the public didn't understand the meaning behind her being in cages in videos and her wanting to be like a a kitten in a cage and things like that. Like, they knew it for sure. They knew the meaning, the symbolism behind that. But, you know, we didn't know, and um, I think it wasn't until, like, that phone call came out to where she was calling to make sure that, like, you know, my dad's threatening me with my kids, I just want to make sure everything's going to be okay, okay, bye. Because she, you know, wasn't supposed to use a phone. Right. And also...
1: She's a grown fucking woman. Okay, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So let's let's take a step back. I love this. We're going to just put one pin in this conversation. Yeah, I figured. I figured. I was like, okay, I'm getting ahead. I need to... <laughs> so the following information came from an article titled Britney Spears, Parents, Why Her Mom Isn't a Part of the Conservatorship from CheatSheet.com. The article started with, quote, In 2008 Arguably one of the most iconic years of Britney's life, you could say. Lynn wrote about her husband's experience with alcoholism in her memoir titled Through the Storm. End quote. Hmm. Nice. Yes, a whole book about her, her life, her experience as Britney's mother, you know, The year your daughter is having a public fucking mental breakdown. Yeah. You're very busy with your memoir. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. A whole book that took real time to write also, mind you. So she could have been taking care of her daughter and her
2: family in the time it took to write a fucking memoir. That's what the fuck I want to know. That's what I'm wondering. Like, where were they when she was obviously you know getting hounded by a paparazzi i mean we had never seen anything like this before and she was i mean there hundreds of paparazzi all in her face and she's got her children and you know it's freaking her out and it, she's having a mental breakdown where the fuck were they then i mean a little too late Absolutely. And given some of the
1: other information that we will briefly talk about later, I really recognize that the drive of paparazzi has been exacerbated by Jamie and Lynn as a torture mechanism for Britney, without question, which I didn't realize until today when I was doing this research. So I think that's such a valid thing to call out up front, you guys. The paparazzi scandals that Brittany has had have been quite literally torture devices put in place by her family, as well as, not in this episode, but we are going to talk about media abuse in another episode. We are going to very lightly hit it in this episode, but media abuse is a very real
2: component of this story as well. Right, because her whole family will either get on TV, get on shows, and I mean, they're only known because of their, or because of Britney, and then you've got Jamie for sure hitting up TMZ and all these other uh, paparazzi and telling them where Britney's going to be at, make sure yep. you're there all this kind of stuff it's A rehab facility all yes. of it yeah all
1: of it oh my god yes and then also the other thing that just absolutely fucking blows my mind is in some of the documentaries that i've seen the way that reporters speak to her directly like fucking news reporters sit down with her like barbara streisand but not barbara streisand but si- they sit down with her and they're like you know what everyone's talking about? Yeah. Aren't you ba- so Barbara excited? Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters. Thank you. But Wait. Sp- fucking men, <laughs> grown ass men are sitting down with this 19 year old girl. And he says, you know what? Everybody just can't stop talking about. And she goes, what? And she's all excited to be like talking about what are people excited yeah. about? And he goes, your virginity. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. On public fucking television? What? I would have just walked the fuck off. But she doesn't even have that choice. Okay, 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 okay. I'm back.
2: I'm back. I got so mad. (laughs) Exactly. And they would never ask a male about that. Nope. Nope.
1: Mm -mm. Absolutely not. So, dear listeners, yes, that was just a small tirade about media abuse. Stay tuned. Brittany's story will come up again in our media abuse episode because I – I, I, I need y'all to understand how absolutely fucked this is. Yeah. But back to my research. <laughs> quote, however, the couple got back together briefly in 2010. End quote. Let me clarify for you. They were together for four years, people. And they were still seen as a united front for another four years after a whole pity party was thrown by this woman for herself while her daughter was suffering. Yep. Yes, that is exactly the point that we've been trying to get to here. Lynn Spears is a terrible
2: fucking mother. Okay? Okay. Yep. I think when Brittany said in court, first time we ever got to hear her speak, and when she said, I want to sue my whole family. Whole family means you too, bitch. Your mama too, bitch. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Quote, according
1: to documents obtained by the blast, which I don't I don't know what they are, but they obtained the documents. Brittany's mom filed for legal documents on July 13th, 2000 on behalf of Brittany as Lynn, quote, wants to have a role in her daughter's finances, specifically the trust, which holds most of Brittany's multi-million dollar assets. End quote. No fucking Duh. That has always been her motivator since day one. Yeah, and this was back
2: in 2000. She was already trying to get, like, a piece of the pie in 2000. Yes! You know, Brittany seems like the kind of girl, especially back then, that was very naive and wanted to do for her family and wanted people to be happy. So I'm sure she was like, of course, Mom, like, you know absolutely. I want to support you. I want to buy you a home like I want to do for you. And she probably thought if she gave them what they wanted,
1: they'd let her have her fucking life. Yeah, for sure. That's a very reasonable (laughs) trade-off. Yeah. I buy you six houses across the globe and I get to fucking leave with my boyfriend when I want to. That's very reasonable. Exactly. Quote, on July 3rd, 2021, aka very recently, a family friend named Jacqueline Butcher recalled asking Lynn why she and Jamie couldn't, quote unquote, co-conservator together. Honestly, a reasonable question for people who have a child of this circumstance normally, right? To split it between the two parents. Yeah. Quote, Lynn told Jacqueline that she would rather have Brittany resent her father, Jamie, than her, her mother followed by the comment that Lynn had added that the conservatorship was only temporary, end quote. This woman is 38 years old,
2: you guys! Yeah, and and what has it been now, 13 years? Yes! And, and she got put under the conservatorship because her dad said she had dementia? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. That's the fucked up part she has dementia but she's going on all these tours she had a resident uh residency in vegas where she remembered all of her choreography she did make up most of her choreography she remembered all of it for all those times she remembered her lyrics she remembers certain dresses that she wore back in the uh late 90s and 2000s she can remember all these things she's of sound mind she's fine that's the point Paige. that is the point yeah. you're making she's totally fucking <laughs> (laughs) competent okay
1: i need everyone to hear us say that britney spears is a competent and intelligent woman you guys She's not the idiot that we are all convinced that she is, given the fucking
2: media portrayal. Yeah. And, you know, people want to use the instance of her shaving her head. Okay, who gives a shit? People can shave their head if they want to. What's it matter? Just because she's a woman and she shaved her head, it's weird. She said she was tired of being touched. She wanted a semblance of control
1: over her body. Who cares? yeah exactly what baffled me about the documentary more than anything was that previous to that moment of watching britney in her true character not character like a role she's playing i mean her actual human character she's a better person than i am yeah and i'm a good fucking person oh hell yeah i i couldn't stomach watching this documentary of these people who speak to her like she's an imbecile and like she's a fucking criminal and she's sitting there and she's saying thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show where you could publicly humiliate me and degrade me and talk about my body as a 19 year old girl and you're a 42 year old man exactly it was absolutely vile absolutely fucking disgusting and i really just sat there thinking she's a better person
2: than i am yeah because i would punch every single one of these motherfuckers (laughs) and you know at the time it's so weird because i'm not much younger than her but at the time i couldn't really see what they were doing to her like i see it now that i'm so much aware of how they were really treating her and the way they asked those questions were so condescending and degrading and violating yeah very Um, when she was not only the diane sawyer interview where she made her cry and just talked to her like complete shit and said she should be shot what the fuck yeah there was a woman that said um she was like yeah did you hear about this woman that said that you know she would shoot you why would you even say that what the fuck is wrong with you diane sawyer shut the Fuck up. I was also going to talk about the uh, Matt Lauer interview where she was just breaking down and he was like, What do you really want? You know, the paparazzi just to leave you alone? And she is just a broken soul, but she is still trying to keep it together. And it is just, she is strong. She's a stronger person than I could ever be. You know, so many people cannot live through this. Agreed. Yes. And that actually
1: is a fantastic segue into the next section of information. We just talked about these incidents that some of those aspects that we just talked about are the series of incidents that are referred to in that quote. So I really, really appreciated that we could bring them up in the organic way that we did because you guys, seriously, all of these Stories that are being presented to us by the media have a very real filter on top of them. No differently than a Snapchat filter. But the filter is not only in the words. It's in the picture itself to present the image that is being narrated by the article. Context is really fucking important always. And the media is especially good at denying Britney Any context that will play to her advantage, let alone speak to her accurately, and that's fucking disgusting. And I need you all to very consciously hear the following, because it's important. The media was absolutely harassing Britney at all times, about all things, you guys. At this point, we have mentioned her babies, we have mentioned her vagina, we mentioned previously that there were paparazzi stationed outside of her rehab facility and they would just take pictures of her as she was leaving therapy to make it look like she was a fucking train wreck because she had been crying in therapy begging her therapists for help because she was a prisoner of her fucking life the media is absolutely responsible for the abuse and torment of britney spears Throughout this process.
2: And a lot of people don't know, like the whole 5150 thing. The way they just were so sick to take all of these pictures of her at the, I think, would be probably the catalyst of this whole thing you know she wanted to be with her babies and maybe she was going through you know i have had a mental breakdown you know people have mental breakdowns or even just bad fucking days yes that does not in any way mean that they need to be controlled in in such a way and that was just her dad's in to like, oh, well, I can make something out of this. Like I can go and put her in this, you know, it's it was like this huge ass plan. But she was she was in the bathroom with her child because she was scared to death that, you know, they were going to come and separate her from her children. Any mother, especially when you're completely competent,
1: when you're completely competent and someone is saying, I'm going to take your kids from you because you're not competent. That by itself would be maddening, and we all need to acknowledge that.
2: Yeah, I mean that is that psychological torture. Yeah, mental, uh, just emotional, everything. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine how how she's functioning. Like. I know that she's on medication, but I am pretty sure that after all of this shit is probably why she is on the medication. After being through all of this, who wouldn't need to be on meds because of all of the torture and abuse
1: what i think is interesting to go back to the media thing and to wrap up that thought i want to say again i think it's very important in the way that britney responds every single time with nothing but sweetness and being politically correct in her responses defending herself by herself while trying to protect herself by herself in front of billions of people always if y'all aren't familiar with how fucked this is or the conversation that Paige and I have just had is the first time that you're hearing this and you want to really experience it for yourself we really challenge you to go do the research and even just listen to a few of these interviews because I promise they will make your skin crawl if you have what's known as a soul you're welcome
2: Exactly. And do you know, they banned, she'd had an MTV documentary in either 2008, I believe, when she was just put under the conservatorship and it was called For the Record. It has been removed from uh, the internet. It has been wiped. You cannot, because she talked about how she was being treated and she was crying and saying, I'm just, I'm so alone. And there are clips of it, like I found some clips on Instagram, um, but on YouTube and stuff, you really can't find, it's wiped from the internet. And the documentary that I
1: watched, like I had said, was taken down. I watched it last week. A week ago, and I went to try and find it to go back and reference this information that I was writing about, and it's gone. That's so fucked, but not uncommon and not surprising. Additionally, though, this article is proof of the tone in which the media portrays this victim of abuse by saying, quote, she attacked a paparazzi's car and she drove with her one-year-old son on her lap. She ended up in a rehab and lost custody of her two sons to her ex-husband, Kevin Federline, end quote, who, for anybody who wasn't alive in the 90s, is an absolute scum-sucking loser who knew that Britney would be the only reason he was ever relevant as soon as their honeymoon stage was over. Lynn told Life and Style Weekly, quote, I blame myself. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you do. What mother wouldn't? I wish I had been there more while she was touring. But I couldn't be. I had the other kids to look after, end quote. Okay. Paige, I would like to hear your thoughts before we move to Jamie. Would you please honor us? Um,
2: (laughs) a.k.a. I, I cared about my other daughter more. Yes, as well as it wasn't just fucking touring. Where have you been her whole fucking life? Exactly. And it seems like Jamie Lynn is just a spoiled ass brat. You know, what makes me sick is to see her posting Instagram stories of her at her kids' baseball games and things like that, knowing Brittany cannot do those things. And I never really thought about it. Until all of this has, you know, started to come out. And I'm thinking, Brittany's having to watch her sister, who only got famous off of Brittany's name. She gets to do all these things with her children. She's like the chosen child of the family or some shit. And it's like, damn, you're shoving this in your sister's face. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to be really honest, I didn't even get into Jamie in this research because I really wanted to keep it to the quote unquote primary player. So I really appreciate that you pulled Jamie into this because yes, she's absolutely just as responsible and just as shady and just as fucking filthy as the
2: rest of them. So yes. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. She never ever spoke for or against the conservatorship until Brittany said. I want to sue my whole family, and then <laughs> the bitch gets on Instagram stories. And she's wiping a tear that's not there. Girl, I just about lost it. I was like, this fake bitch. And then Brittany calls her out on her Instagram. I am living for her Instagram, and I I'm just like Brittany would kick your ass. I believe it. I do. Fuck Jamie. So the next section
1: of my notes in my special guest notebook is labeled Jamie Spears. And this part of the research took a different turn than I anticipated. Ooh. So before we get into talking about Jamie, I need a Celeste-sponsored moment to really share something personal but important. I am the survivor of a lot of types of abuse from pretty much every adult in my life in some way. Some physical, but most emotional, verbal, and mental. Including my own biological parents, who likely didn't even realize the damage that they were doing to my existence by never being aware of my being, my feelings, or my curiosities, my experiences, my needs as I needed them, and honestly, this left me with a very fucked up sense of what love looks like, right? Everyone can relate to that, honestly, in one way or another. I've, I don't feel like that's a concept lost on people. Whether you've experienced it or witnessed it or helped heal someone that you love, we all can imagine and understand and acknowledge that quote-unquote love can get warped and weird and traumatic real quick and over time. So, I grew up to find love in the wrong places, which led me to a man who possesses many, if not all, of the same character traits of Jamie Parnell Spears. As it relates to his abuse style, the financial control, the isolation, the neglect, the starving, The mind games, the name calling, the type of person who enjoys inflicting pain, especially in places that no one else can see. This person is called a narcissist. I have been trapped in my own home, which wasn't a home at all, but instead a coffin. I have been in that moment of, I might not make it out of this this time. More times than I can even really put into numerics. And I need you to know this, honest to God, for two reasons. The first being, I couldn't stomach doing any real research on Jamie Spears after the triggers that I experienced in watching the original documentary that I had watched when I initially asked myself, what is Free Britney really about? Which literally was last week. Like I said, that fucking video that I watched that's taken down. Okay, so from that time... I knew that if I opened up Jamie Spears the way that my research brain compels me to, there is a very real possibility that I would break the rest of my brain, which just tells me to survive. So I don't have data and info on Jamie in this way. The second reason being... I need you to hear me say I empathize with Brittany, not only as an empath and as a human with a pulse, but as a survivor of extreme narcissist and domestic violence. And those things are not mutually tied to one person or experience. We will do an episode on narcissism and all its many faces in a future episode because this just isn't the place to get into that Pandora's box. But when you've survived a hell like the one that a narcissist creates, their signs and symptoms and triggers are things that you will never not see again. And Brittany has all of them. And I don't know why no one is saying it that way. No one but the Free Britney movement. And that just blows my fucking mind.
2: Yeah. I I felt every word of what you just said. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Because like I said, I feel like you and I have lived very similar lives, if not the same one. I truly do. i I feel so connected to you in such a soulful way because everything that you just said, I, have been there. It's something, you know, like you said, some days you don't even know if you are going to survive that day. For me, I had two relationships that were like that, and they only lasted, one lasted like a year and a half, and another lasted a couple of months. And that was hell in itself, 13 years of it every single day, and I can only imagine And I hate to even think this way, but I can't help it because I think reality may hurt a little bit. But the reason that she's probably still here is for her children. I think that is what motivates her to hang on. If she didn't have her children, I would question whether or not, you know she would identify her purpose to live yeah i agree completely yeah and that's it and it's a very morbid and sad thought and and maybe she you know maybe it wouldn't be like that maybe she would be completely strong and pull through it at the same time but there are a lot of people out there god forbid in her same situation that may not make it out alive And that's why, you know, the Free Britney movement is so important, you know, not only for her, but now we know so many others are dealing with the same kind of hell. And we have to do something to change that.
1: Exactly. Exactly specifically as it relates to conservatorships too. Yes. That actually, again, you are just nailing the segues. You are so perfect and I love you and <laughs> you are just such a fantastic guest. You are welcome back anytime for whatever you want to fucking talk about.
2: Oh, I love you. So we're going
1: to get into this in the taboo's way. Now that my Celeste sponsored moment is over and we both got to be really vulnerable and real about our experiences and understanding and empathy because of our own experiences with narcissists I felt every word you said and I completely appreciate that you understand that type of hurt because I have been hurt by a lot of people in my life you guys but I promise not one of them fucked me up like my narc had fucked me up
2: yeah yep it's I mean a narcissist is one type of person that (sighs) I'm like you, if, if you know, if you talk about it or think about it, it'll bring you back to that spot and it will just totally break you all over again because just thinking about the power they have and... The brainwashing abilities. Do you know, before I actually experienced it, I thought being brainwashed was a total bullshit excuse, you know, that people used, but I have a whole two years of my life that I don't remember a lot of, and my parents will tell me certain things, and I'll be like, I just do not, I'm so sorry, I do not have that memory, I don't remember doing that, I don't remember saying that. This person had brainwashed me so bad and had me under so much control that I was literally physically trying to fight my parents. And I've been told a lot of this by my parents because I don't remember it. It's unbelievable what people can do to you it's salt on the
1: wound in this case because we can't ignore that these are her parents yeah these are people she has been raised by you guys we can't pretend that this is just britney's life because of this conservatorship we have to acknowledge this has always been britney's fucking life now she's just a prisoner of it and I know that I can't help Brittany as it relates to her court case and her conservatorship as it relates to the judicial courts, but we can help her in the court of public opinion. So let's do a little role play. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Can we do that? Can we, can we do a little taboos role play? Oh my God. I'm so excited. Let's do it. So dear listener, you get to be the judge and jury just this once. <laughs> LOL. Who am I kidding? That's not even true in this metaphorical courtroom. Also, before we get into this roleplay, please remember that I am not a real lawyer, but for this roleplay, I am. I would like to call Miss Page from Reverie True Crime to the stand as an expert in both being an incredible human being with a beautiful heart and a moral compass that points true north, as well as being an incredibly talented and very thorough true crime podcaster who gives victims a voice with love and grace and empathy with each episode.
2: I'm crying as I'm walking up to the wit- <laughs> to the witness stand. I am crying. Oh. <laughs> Wiping
1: tears yeah. before I get oh onto gosh. the stand. Would you please raise your right hand? Yes. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Do you swear to share with us your real and honest perspective with the court of public opinion today, unfiltered and true to your heart and feelings on the following questions, knowing that this is a safe space where your thoughts and feelings are appreciated and welcome? I absolutely do. Oh, thank you, Miss Page. You're welcome. You may put your hand down. (laughs) Miss Paige, would you actually please share your socials for the jury, just so they have a point of reference as to where they can find you to
2: validate your incredible work? Okay. On Twitter, it is at Reverie Crime Pod. And on Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash Reverie True Crime. Instagram is Reverie True Crime. Tumblr is also still active, by the way, which is totally mind-blowing, but it is. <laughs> And uh so yeah, Tumblr is it Reverie True Crime? Yeah. That's 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 the socials. Excellent. Dear listeners, we highly
1: recommend going to check out Miss Page and her amazing credentials. Highly, highly, highly recommend. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing them with us. I can imagine that it's very difficult to be here with <laughs> us today. It's an actual <laughs> shit show, like Now, you know, this isn't, we don't
2: put on an act. You really know, like, we're fucking crazy. (laughs) I love it. I mean, listen, this is everything. This is more than what I had hoped for. Trust. (laughs) Uh, I just love y'all.
1: You're the best. We are
2: so honored to
1: have you. Mm -hmm. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not professional to send kisses in the courtroom, but here we are. And with that, I would like to get into the questions now if you are comfy. I am. So, Miss Page, would you say given the information that you know now about conservatorships from a legal perspective, would you say that you are more or less concerned about the safety of Miss Britney Spears within her conservatorship?
2: I am very concerned, extremely concerned i cannot express how concerned that i am
1: are you aware that miss spears is worth 70 million dollars per an updated statement in 2021 by celebritynetworth.com?
2: um no but now that i am holy crap i thought she'd actually you know i don't know i I don't know why i thought the number would probably be like a billion but (laughs) i kind of thought like but wow that's a lot
1: Are you aware that 1.5% of $70 million is $1,050,000? Which, per the evidence offered previously, and being what we now know is the banks alone profiting by keeping this conservatorship secure. Again, that number being $1,050,000
2: annually. Yes, that is
1: fucking ridiculous. Given the evidence provided earlier, do you feel confident in the way, historically, our financial structure has been run and, quote-unquote, monitored by our government to this point? As a citizen, are you satisfied with that knowledge? Does it inspire faith in what we know as citizens about our financial institution? Hell to the no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hell no. (laughs) In the court of public opinion, we can say, oh, hell no. (laughs) Do you find it likely that the Spears family has friends of power who appreciate the delicacy of this situation, considering that Miss Spears' money circulates an additional hot
2: million into the system annually while they sleep? Yeah, no, I don't... You know, sadly, I don't think there are many people around the Spears family at all that that care. And who
1: don't directly profit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Everybody that's around her gets her money. And even her father, that's how he pays his lawyers and things like that.
1: You brought up Jamie, which I thought was incredibly interesting. Are you aware that Jamie Parnell Spears is worth $5 million simply because he is Britney's court-appointed conservator? No, I didn't know that. Yes. Previous to Jamie being appointed, he had about zero monies. Yeah, I can imagine. Can you please share with the jury your opinion on Jamie Spears' motivation as to what you would know about him from your perspective, Why would Jamie be interested in being Britney's conservator from your perspective?
2: Okay, so there's a couple of reasons, I think. Number one, I think he wanted to control his cash cow. I think he wanted all of the control over her. I think Lynn did too, but once the pressure was on, she kind of like backed out. Or at least fell behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. But I think his motivation is definitely abuse, control, like, you, you're gonna do what I say. You know, forcing an IUD to be put into her body and not allowing her to take it out. Like, controlling all of these things, but also, it's financial. That's why he's doing it, so he can still get her money. And I'm, I'm scared to death, honestly, that he is going to try some way to drain her whole bank account before this is over with. I mean, I know there's a court hearing coming up in September, and her new lawyer is an amazing prosecutor. Um, So I'm really, really hoping that Jamie's about to get kicked out. In September really really hope for that but I really think the motivation is just control ego and money would you be of the position that Britney Spears is a prisoner in her own home or maybe even her own life oh for sure the captions in her, in her Instagram pictures have a lot of double meanings and things to figure out. Because I don't think yet she can outright say a lot of things. And so it's all kind of like a code. And people think that, you know, a lot of us are nuts because, oh my gosh, y'all are, she's just babbling about nothing. No, there's meaning to what she's saying. She's not crazy. She's not, you can tell when she speaks, she's very intelligent. And knows what she's talking about. She absolutely is. And she... I mean, she, is, she has her
1: ditzy moments. And she's oh, yeah. so silly. And yeah. she's so goofy. And she makes fun of herself. And we're going to definitely talk about all of that too. But I agree with you completely. She is a very intelligent woman. As an intelligent woman who also says stupid shit literally all the fucking time. She- I really appreciate her level yes. of intelligence. And I really, really appreciate that we could both say that in this episode, because dear listeners, if you have a perception of Britney Spears previous to this moment that includes that she's a fucking idiot, you are part of the problem. And I'm sorry to say it that way.
2: Yeah, truly. She is so, so smart. She knows what she wants. She had no idea she could contest this conservatorship at all, which, you know, she had that lawyer, Sam Ingham, Uh, who I think was court-appointed anyway, and even though she liked him, he wasn't doing anything for her.
1: That's probably because Jamie and Lynn and the powers that be were paying him to not
2: do anything for her. Yes. Maybe it was all together, you know? You just never know. She is so smart. Right, right. And she has
1: to do this for her survival. Yes. Let's just go back to that, you guys. Everything she does is for her survival at this point. So I'm so glad that we could go there. And thank you so much for taking the jury and I on that explanation for that question. The last question that I had for you specifically for your testimony is, do you feel like Brittany has anyone in her personal life
2: that has shown her best interest as a priority? You know, a lot of people question whether or not her boyfriend, Sam, is you know, hired by her dad or whatever, but they've been together since, I think, 2017, late 2017, and they seem, he seems to really care about her. I think she really wants to marry him and have a baby with him. I think he does care for her, and I know that her friends who may not be able to actually, I don't know if she's gotten in touch with them, like Lance and other in sync and Backstreet Boy members that I know she's friends with, and her dancers uh, that used to be with her in the early two thousands, they they are constantly posting free Britney and posting these old rehearsal videos, and I know that they really care about her. But you know, these people either aren't allowed to be around her, or she can't communicate with them. So I think Sam and her children are really the only ones who care. You know, I don't know where Kevin stands. Um, I think he's just kind of there and he doesn't really care either way. I think that's a
1: very fair assessment. And honestly, thank you so much for your testimony today. You were a fantastic witness. And thank you for all of your information and perspective. You may step down from the witness stand if you'd like. Well, thank you, (laughs) ma'am. I would like to offer my closing argument and to do so, I would also like to offer some perspective from the Free Britney movement and her super friend super friends. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and her super fans that recognize themselves as quote unquote Britney's army. People who have scoured the internet for whatever motivation they had to do so, which truly launched the actual investigation into Brittany's personal affairs as it relates to her conservatorship. There is so much information out there that I simply do not have enough time, paper, or ink to put into perspective for you and honestly Paige covered more of it than I even intended to in this episode so again a huge thank you to you for that because that perspective was so important
2: No problem. I just, you know, I know I can ramble on about Britney forever, but following it and also I think the account is Lawyers for Britney on Instagram. They post the court documents and it's very interesting to go through there. They have uh, the court documents from 2008 to now and to see how it all unfolded is unreal. So I would definitely recommend you know anyone to go on there and just start digging start digging online start really researching how and why and everything about it because it's a rabbit hole that I don't think I'll ever get out of until she's finally free I absolutely agree
1: so I ask you honorable judge jury get it I made a play on judge judy but like for our episode (laughs) I love it (laughs) ask that you examine the evidence in your chambers before you make your verdict when you're done with this episode. The following testimony will be presented on behalf of Brittany because this is the only way that I know I can help. As someone who sees another human being who I believe genuinely needs our help but at minimum she needs our empathy as a society, the full leaked testimony is currently on YouTube, but I would like to share with you some of the excerpts. The following may be disturbing to some listeners. Use your discretion. The clip opens with a sturdy and honestly very assertive Brittany, who is very confident in what she says Quote, I will be honest with you. I haven't been back to court in a long time since I did not feel heard by the court the last time. I had four sheets of paper in my hands and wrote in length what I had been through the last four months before I came there, meaning court. The people who did that to me should not be able to walk away so easily, end quote. At which point the judge interrupts and tells Brittany that she needs to slow down, and it's because she speaks so assertively that the court reporter can't keep up. Brittany is happy to oblige, and she apologizes. She continues to offer a recap to the judge of her initial complaints as it relates to her managerial company and the abuse, defamation, and slander that they have brought against Brittany in her life. She explains their gaslighting methods of contacting her mental health provider at the time to inform him Brittany was outside of the behavior expectations set and was not taking her medication simply because she rejected a dance move in a routine that she made with dancers she trained. She said, quote, Ma'am, I'm not here to be anyone's slave. I can say no to a dance move. End quote. Brittany testifies that the same woman has been administrating her single dose of medication every morning for eight years. However, after her doctor, the one that the team had called, reacted to an event where Brittany told her management team she needed a break and did not want to do another Las Vegas show set, they told her that this was fine. She compares it to a 200-pound weight being lifted off of her chest. However, the doctor, three days later, made Brittany aware that he had gotten, quote, like a million phone calls about how I was not cooperating in rehearsals and had been denying my medication, which was all false. He immediately, the next day, put me on lithium out of nowhere. He took me off of my normal meds I had been on for five years, and it was a very different med. It was very, very strong compared to what I had been used to, end quote. She continues to say, "'He put me on that, and I just felt drunk.'" I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't do anything, not even have a conversation with my mom or dad, end quote, without what she then describes as a team of six nurses that were there to monitor her behavior and wouldn't even allow her to get in her car to go anywhere for a month. Quote, not only did my family not do a goddamn thing, my dad was all for it. Any and all treatment I received had to be approved by my dad, end quote. Which, ladies and gentlemen, we know that that's true because he was her conservator. It's his literal job. Quote, he was the one who approved all of it and my family did nothing, end quote. She goes on to explain a following incident where a quote unquote lady came to do a psych test on her that, quote, took forever only for Jamie Parnell Spears to, quote, call me back two hours later to tell me that I failed the test. First of all, you can't fail a fucking psych test. I just need everybody to know. (laughs) (laughs) right he said i'm sorry Brittany. you have to listen to your doctors you have to go to a small home in beverly hills to do a small rehab program that we're gonna make up for you you're gonna pay sixty thousand dollars a month for this End inner quote i cried on the phone for an hour and he loved every minute of it The control he had over someone as powerful as me, to have 100,000,000% control. He absolutely loved it, end quote.
2: How sickening is that quote in, in and of itself? Like him enjoying that is just heartbreaking for me.
1: And as a survivor of a narcissist, I know exactly what she's talking about. Her dad gets
2: off on this shit. Yes. Jerks off to it. Yes. It's disgusting.
1: She then describes the living conditions of this quote unquote rehab facility, which includes an extreme lack of privacy. She had no door on her fucking bedroom. Mm
2: hmm. Mm, Okay, I'm sorry. I just I just this part right here that you're about to tell blows my fucking mind and it seems illegal as shit. It is illegal as shit. It is illegal as shit.
1: People watched her change her clothes and examined her body naked morning, noon and night. She worked seven days a week against her will and compares it to what Paige mentioned before as the only comparable trade that exists in the state of California, which is the human trafficking and sex slave trade. If she didn't give eight quarts of blood, literally, and work at least 70 hours a week, she didn't get to see her kids or boyfriend. The last quote that I'd like to offer from this testimony at this time is the following, because honest to fucking God, you guys, This is all it took for me to know that she was not fucking lying. Six minutes and thirty-three seconds into this twenty-three-minute testimony, quote. And that's why I'm telling you this again. Two years later, after I've lied and I've told the whole world I'm okay and I'm happy. It is a lie. End quote. Ladies and gentlemen, people do not lie about being unhappy. Don't we know that feeling? Yes, we can all relate to that. And we must acknowledge that. All people understand what it means to lie about being happy Whether that's momentarily or out of guilt or what the fuck ever. We've all had that friend who tells us that they're expecting something amazing and simply smiled and lied through our fucking teeth about how fucking happy we are for them. Even though on the inside we're fucking dying. So it is not a stretch to assume what we know at this point with the evidence that we have that all of this is fucking toxic and insane and evil scheming that is being done around this woman, just as she describes in the lyrics from her 2009 song that says, quote, all eyes are on me in the center of a ring, just like a circus, end quote. As a woman, as a survivor, and as a human, I know in my core that Britney Spears is telling the truth about being unhappy, which is an incredibly mild reaction for the feelings of rage that I have personally experienced in a courtroom when faced with my own abuser's actions in open court with no one watching me, but able to question my sanity, character, and honestly, my human value. And if you honestly believe that that's a moment that you choose to do anything but tell everyone honestly exactly how unhappy you are, ladies and gentlemen, I fear for the future of our species because the court of public opinion is rotting us as humans to the core because this is happening not only to Britney, but to millions of people, elderly people, children, children, People who are mentally or physically incapacitated. People we may know or even care for. Britney Spears is just a human being. And that's all she wants to be. She has lived 38 years in this prison publicly. Isn't it time that she be set free? And with that, I rest my
2: case. Thank you.
1: Thank you. (laughs)
2: I I love you so much. You have no idea. Like, I just sit here in awe of what, everything you just said. I just, it's unreal to me that these things, and, you know, so many other things in this world are happening right under our noses, and sometimes we find out about them way too late, and sometimes there's nothing that we as citizens can really do except vote when we can and show up and protest and do all these things. But we have to be educated to do that. Right, right. And I don't feel like that's the piece that people are
1: doing, is educating themselves in order to speak to it correctly. And honestly, you guys, I need y'all to know that the rest of her testimony to the judge was just absolutely fucking gut-wrenching. Yeah. I only recapped the first six and a half minutes for you. The other 18 minutes, you guys, I finished it and I really seriously texted Allie and I said, if this judge does not overturn this conservatorship, I will fucking vomit. This is a Derek Chauvin moment for me all over again. Yeah,
2: fucking right. Yeah. And, you know, she had another court thing where they did the Zoom again, but... The public wasn't allowed to listen because nobody was supposed to record it last time. But, of course, everyone, you know, recorded it. And there are bits and pieces from people who were in the courtroom of that one that we didn't get to hear that have been leaking a few things that she said. And, you know, it's like, how many times can you scream out for help? Exactly. And when is someone going to start to fucking
1: believe you? Yeah. Real. And honestly, that's what I have on my research on
2: conservatorship. You did amazing research. Uh, Amazing. Thank you. I'm just right now, I'm just like kind of soaking it all in again. Like after we've talked about it from what conservatorship is, from what a conservatee and a conservator and all this stuff and just going through the whole thing is just, it makes me sad. It just breaks my heart to know that so many people are suffering And we're just now finding out about it because we weren't really educated about it before, before we heard about what Brittany's going through. And, you know, it it hurts me that there are so many people that are suffering that we never knew. And it's just like, there's so much that happening around us. And what can we do? Right. And we can't know unless we know.
1: And that's really that's really the shit part of being a human and existing with other fucking humans, you guys. But it is on us to educate ourselves to be aware of as much as we can know. So that in these experiences, we have the wherewithal and the fucking brain capacity to say, that seems weird We should ask some questions about that. That doesn't seem logical or this person really seems like they're really fucking struggling. Maybe we should be asking those kinds of questions. I really recognize that when it comes to the imagery associated with Britney Spears that has been perpetuated for well over a decade I recognize that she is put in this very specific narrative and I truly believe that that narrative is all part of the perpetual fuel in the gas tank that carries her away to her prison every single time she is whisked off stage. So then that leads me to my question of what did you actually learn here today? What was the thing that stood out that you were like shit I did not know that?
2: Well, first of all, I had no idea that Mickey Rooney was under a conservatorship. I had no idea that conservatorships were for organizations as well. I didn't know how much Jamie was worth before. You know what I mean? Like, just little things (laughs) here and there that I had no idea and so, but the main thing to take away is we've got a long way to go in changing so many things about this broken system. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I had to
1: absolutely just chuckle at the slam on Jamie and his net worth. <laughs> that killed me. <laughs> like I had no idea. You and your worth, five million dollars. Oh my gosh. So funny. I love it. I think those are all really great takeaways from this episode. I think the thing that I really learned here, honestly, is actually a lot more about myself personally as I went through this. And I'm confident that you will be able to relate to this. But as I went through this research more in depth, specifically as it relates to Brittany, I really found myself myself. In her, in her story, in her presence, in her desire for help and being told no. I really identified myself in that experience. And I can honestly say, after today, I have an entirely different appreciation for Britney Spears and what she's going through. And I really recognize that this episode is really not only my attempt to help save Brittany and people who suffer like her, but also in a way, an effort to save myself or at least the version of myself that I used to be, right? To make something that is helpful for people who are experiencing the version of Celeste that died in that coffin with her narcissistic abuser. And I'm so glad that she didn't survive, but this gave me an entirely different perspective to it. And I'm really grateful. And that's what I learned here today from this research.
2: I 100% agree with you. I, for the first time, we have this small little true crime group chat. And I was like, I really need to say something that I've never said out loud. And it's going to make me sound completely insane. And I basically just said what you just said about relating to her. And I was like, I know it sounds insane, but I understand and I see myself in her or I just connect with her on a really deep level because i know a lot of what she's feeling of what she's going through you know it may not be exactly the same of course but it's
1: also not that different yeah it's it's really not i actually just got goosebumps like
2: i full-blown full-body goosebumps when you said that you you worded it perfectly I I felt every word you said because that's exactly what I said in the group chat the other day and you know you know like you said it I'm learning more about myself and it's it's hard for me to put into words, but you said it perfectly.
1: I think that's a perfectly acceptable answer, and I really appreciate that, both in the validation that you just gave me, but also in sharing that I validated you as well in sharing that yeah. education, which is why, honest to God, we end these episodes talking about what we learned here today because sometimes the things that I take away from these episodes and these research are things that are irrelevant to everybody but me. right? But in this instance, it wasn't. In this instance, the same thing that I learned is what you are also learning. And I think that's really fucking beautiful, especially because I am confident that there are millions of listeners out there who will also relate to this, even if it's just... A portion of it or a perspective right. of it or even just simply having a version of Britney that is unlike the one that the main media portrays at all times. Because you guys, again, she is strong and powerful and beautiful and smart. She's fucking brilliant. OK, yeah, she is so incredibly meaningful in the pop community historically she is literally the core of music in the 90s i can't like i am a huge christina fan but honest to god after realizing how impactful britney was in the 90s in early 2000s To the fucking music industry. I can't even explain to you guys the level of personality that that takes. And dance and money management and her businesses. You guys, she is a fully fucking capable woman. She is a whole ass woman. She brings the whole fucking table when she goes places. She is the fucking table when she goes places. Exactly. And yet she is treated like this. And now that y'all have heard us talk about it this way, I really do. Our call to action today is go look into the symbolism, look into some of those crazy videos on YouTube that talk about the secret codes and messages. And whether you believe them or not is your decision. But now you have a different perspective than the one that the media portrays, which is controlled by her family. And y'all need to know that.
2: There are two YouTube channels that I would recommend. One is Sloan, and it's S-L-4-O-N. He does amazing videos about her whole journey. And also, there was a YouTube channel called Deep Dive that went into, like, from her childhood up until today so those two youtube channels i would definitely recommend
1: and i am speaking on behalf of the listeners and how much we appreciate that
2: oh stop it and also thank you so much for being here today I'm so (laughs) glad. Like, I feel like we really were meant to do this episode together. I just obviously
1: echo everything you just said. I absolutely loved you being here. I absolutely agree that we were meant to do this episode together. Dear listeners, I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we absolutely loved it. Because this was incredible and so amazing. And I couldn't possibly have done this episode with anybody else. Because I don't know anybody who is as deep in the Britney experience as you. And who is as passionate about it. So I really, really appreciate you bringing that piece to this. Because that meant so much to me. And I agree. I really appreciated hearing that even just in this conversation our stories aligned so much and that you and I aren't alone but now imagine all of the other people out there who also identify with Brittany who recognize oh shit we're not alone either and then what if it gets to Brittany and she realizes that she's not alone it's like she is me and I am her and we are all each other exactly exactly and that's, that was the intention of this episode. So I really, really feel like we accomplished that. And that makes my heart, my heart so happy.
2: Me too. Thank Just thank you so much for letting me come on. And hell yeah. And you know, sometimes I get, lost in my thoughts and like my thoughts can get incomplete because I start off with like thinking about one thing and then I jump to another thing in my mind and I'm just like, oh Girl,
1: my ADHD is such a bitch. Yes. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) Yes. I'm absolutely learning to love my ADHD. That's also gonna be an episode. Don't even worry about it. I was Oh, I can't wait for that. And I followed all your rambles and I loved every single one of them (laughs) it was magic it was absolutely beautiful you are such the perfect guest and you are welcome back whenever you want to and we would love to have you on a tiny
2: taboos episode because i bet that tiny would think that that was so fun (laughs) oh my god i'd be honored I am her biggest fan, Tani's number one fan.
1: I love that news. I do. (laughs) I love that. I think she was a little taken aback. I don't think she's ever met her number one fan before. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. it. Would you mind plugging your socials once again for our listeners who absolutely, after this episode, have fallen in love with you and who are going to go subscribe to your show, which is also amazing?
2: No, they're probably like, um, we're tired of this bitch talking. We want Allie back. (laughs) No. Anybody who thinks that is going to get punched in the throat.
1: (laughs) Allie will approve of the throat punches for anybody who says that
2: shit. I know her. I know this. (laughs) I love her, and I love you, but yeah, the socials, uh, Twitter, at Reverie Crime Pod, Instagram at Reverie True Crime, Facebook is Reverie True Crime, like everywhere is Reverie True Crime except Twitter, because somehow that was taken or something. Okay, perfect. Dear
1: listeners, we ask that you share this episode with somebody who may not have some familiarity with the Free Britney movement or conservatorship or honestly anybody who may be in an abusive relationship of any type whether that is parental or spousal or relationship in general. Please share this episode with people. We would really like to be able to get the word out about the actual experiences that Britney is having and suffering from so that again the court of public opinion can deliberate As it relates to the verdict of Britney Spears being free. Because it is our responsibility as the public to make a space that is free for Britney and people like her. It isn't just freeing her from the conservatorship. It is freeing her from the grips that is the public opinion of her. Which is again just another form of abuse. Like I had mentioned before, we would absolutely appreciate if you would share this episode. Please feel free to rate us on Apple Podcast or any other platform where shows can be rated. We absolutely appreciate it. It does some weird shit with the algorithms. I don't know. Ask Allie. But we appreciate it nonetheless. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at taboosthepod. We are just taboos on Facebook. And if you'd like to reach out to us with any of your taboo topic suggestions or as an interested guest, you certainly can reach us at taboospodcast at gmail.com. I think I did that right. I don't know. Allie, did I do that right? Let me know. (laughs) And I would like us to take one moment to shout out to our girl, Allie, with our first episode with her as a behind the scenes player. We love you and we miss you. Yes, I'm so sad I missed you, Allie. We absolutely will have you back without question anytime you want. <laughs> Aw, thank you. You are welcome. And on that, dear
2: listeners, do you be taboos? <laughs>